listening to the Seven Rivers Student Ministry Podcast, a ministry of Seven Rivers Church in Citrus County, Florida. Here at SRSM, we believe that all students are lovable through a relationship with Jesus. Visit our website at sevenrivers.org backslash students. That's my favorite song. One time Maddie asked us uh, what song makes us cry, and I was like, that one. So, this is a great song. No, I didn't cry, but I usually do. So, last week we talked about, does anyone remember? Genesis, creation. Yeah, we talked about how God created everything. And we saw that when God does something, that it is always good when he creates, when he speaks, when he blesses, that it's good. And it's good because that is who he is. We saw that the world was empty and chaotic and darkness was everywhere and there was no meaning and God created and orchestrated everything good. The trees, mountains, us, humans, created time. And last week we wrestled with the question, is God good in this broken world? How can God be good? And this week we're going to look at Genesis 3. We're going to look at the fall and we're going to wrestle with this question And you might think, like, why are you asking this? But the question I want you to wrestle with and myself is, do you believe that you're a sinner? Do you believe that you're sinful? Again, that's a question that we're like, oh, yeah, obviously I'm told to say that. But do you actually think that you deserve punishment for disobeying God? Do you think that you're wrong? You make wrong decisions? That you offend God? Whether that's the jokes you make, the way you treat others, the way you treat your family or friends? Do you actually believe that everything about you and me is sinful? I think uh, my generation and y'all's in the culture, we like to blame past generations for all the problems. We like to tell people to be their true self, do what makes you happy. Um, Everything's the older generation's fault. And I don't really think that that's like... We, I feel like we like to just blame other people. So, the question, do you believe that you're a sinner? And do you believe that you need to be saved? So, we're going to read Genesis 3, verses 1 through 15. Uh, I think the, yeah, it's up on the board. If you have your Bible, open it. Here's the word of the Lord. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat, we may eat from all the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle. You must not touch it or else you'll die. 
The serpent said, you'll certainly not die, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and pleasing, and was also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took and ate. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. And then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig, tree, or fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord among the trees in the garden. But the Lord called to the man, Where are you? The man answered, I heard you were in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, The woman that you put here with me, she gave me some fruit, and I ate it. Then the Lord said to the woman, What is this you have done? And then the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly, you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. And he will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that is trustworthy and reliable. Uh, pour your spirit on all of us tonight. Give us ears to listen, and um, yeah, bring us to you, Father, because we need you. Through your son's name we pray. Amen. So, first... We're introduced to a character in the story of Genesis that we haven't seen before, the serpent. First two chapters, it was God and creation and everything in us. And this, we're, yeah, we're introduced to the serpent. And the serpent is, some of you might know this, the devil. Um, that's kind of what he signifies. And what is the first thing the devil does? In verse 1, he twists and he manipulates God's command to Adam and Eve, Right? He says, did God really say? I really say not to eat from that tree? Like, why? And this is what the devil loves to do to us. The devil loves to manipulate us. He loves to twist God's word. Did God really say not to gossip about that friend or breakup or scandal? Did God really say not to bully the new person, make fun of him? Did God really say not to look at porn? Did God really say not to lie to your parents or your friends? This is what the devil does. I remember uh, in high school, I would, before I became a Christian in high school, I just, I knew growing up in a Christian household what was wrong to do. I knew I shouldn't lie. I knew I shouldn't make fun of my siblings. I knew I shouldn't watch pornography. I knew I shouldn't do all these things. And to put it like bluntly, like I didn't care. I actually got satisfaction knowing that I was doing something wrong. I drank the Kool-Aid that is, did God really say? I didn't care. And this is what the devil does. He promises, he promises Adam and Eve, you'll be like God. But he doesn't even have the right to promise that to us. He lies. He doesn't want you to be happy. He wants you to destroy you. He doesn't want you to thrive. He wants you to be a slave. He wants you to be oppressed. And he doesn't want you near the one that created you and that loves you. So that's the first point. The devil is manipulative and he twists God's word and 
second leads into the second point. We'd like jump right into that. I love cliff jumping. Like one time, I don't know, it was like 20, 30 feet up in the water. I would like walk, uh, walk a few steps behind and run and jump. And that is like what we do whenever the devil's like, hey, you want to disobey God? Do you want to talk bad about that person behind their back? We're like, let's go. Let's make some people mad. Let's get a laugh because it'll make us feel good. So we're so easily um, deceptive and giving in to sin. We're prone to disobey. Uh, I remember there's a line in, um, you all know, come thou found, come thou found. Uh, there's a line that says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God that I love. And even in the song that we just sang, uh, all I have is Christ. It says, and if you had not loved me first, I would refuse you still. As I ran my hell-bound race, indifferent to the cost, you looked upon my helpless state and led me to the cross. We don't want anything to do with God. Adam's and Eve's disobedience, when they ate from the fruit, caused us to be born into this wandering, into this leaving, into this enemy of God. Our first decision is always to sin and disobey. Our natural state, our natural desires is to run into darkness and not into light. We're born into sin. And these are the two main things that are happening in this, um, in this story, in the first seven verses. Uh, the devil is there deceiving and manipulating and we're just drinking it like the Kool-Aid that it that we think it'll offer us life. So, what happens when we uh, choose ourselves, when we choose to disobey God, when we choose sin? This is kind of my second point. What is kind of sin? What does it do? And I want to, ah, this definition isn't up there, but I want to, I have a definition for sin, and it's this. Sin is humanity's betrayal desertion, faithlessness, and breach of relationship directed against a personal God. If you don't understand that, I'm going to try and unpack that. Has anyone seen or read uh, Lord of the Rings? Anyone? I love that. I've read it a few times. It's great. So there's these two main characters, Frodo and Sam, and they're lifelong best friends. They grew up together. They laughed. They pranked together. They ate. They did life together their whole lives. And then they're tasked to take a magical ring to a volcano and destroy it. Actually. And it's great. Despite how childish it might sound. Um, But on their way, they're met by an evil and greedy creature named Gollum. And Gollum starts manipulating and planting lies into Frodo's head. And it gets so bad towards the end of the movie and book that Frodo chooses this lying and evil and greedy creature over against his lifelong friend. He kicks him out and he chooses to follow Gollum. That is betrayal. He wasn't loyal to his friend. That is desertion. He abandoned him and turned him back and turned his back on him. That is faithful, faithlessness. Frodo doesn't trust that his friend Sam has his best interests at heart. And then 
their relationship is broken. And this is what the Bible says, how we treat God. The one that we were created for and the one that we're supposed to be friends with, we betray. We choose evil and we choose sin over him. Do you actually believe that? Do you really believe that you betrayed God? Do you believe that you are prone to disobey? That you're prone to wander and leave? And sin is not just betrayal, but it's also premeditated. It's something that we do on purpose. Something that we think, prone to wander, prone to think, like just how I backed up. I walked up to this cliff, backed up a few paces. Like I was with the intention of jumping off this cliff and into the water. It is premeditated. Let's enjoy it. And once we start sinning, it corrupts and makes us worse and worse. In uh, season two of Stranger Things, y'all remember when uh, Hopper gets a call and the guy is like, this person's killing my pumpkins, blah, blah, blah. Like, you need to catch him. Y'all remember that? He said something like that. Um, this guy was accusing another guy of killing his crops. But upon a, a further investigation, we saw that this thing was actually spreading and killing at a much quicker pace. It was poisonous. It was killing not only his land, but it, like the whole town, like the whole street of land where fruit, vegetation, vegetation, pumpkins were. And it was killing it like instantly. It was just spreading everywhere. It was getting worse and worse and worse. That is what sin does. The devil doesn't promise that, but that is what the devil delivers when you run from God and you run into darkness. It spreads and it grows and makes it worse. It kills. You get addicted to things. You get so ashamed that you don't want to tell your parents or your friends, people that you know and that you trust, that would never do anything to hurt you. Everything that God intended for us in creation in the first two chapters of Genesis was good and flourishing, and sin seeks to separate that from us. Do you, do you know that you're separated from God? Do you know that you are not good and that you're in need of saving? So this is what sin does. It betrays God. It deserts him. It breaks our relationship with him. It rots and it poisons us and it separates us from the one who created us. So this is where we are. There is an evil that manipulates God's word and promises something that it cannot give us and we take it right away. And because of our disobedience, we have a separation. We have a poison in us. The state of you and me and of the whole world is death it's corruption do you actually think that do you believe that and i want to end with this this causes a problem not only does it cause a problem for me and you but it also causes god a problem now i know we don't think or we like to think like oh god is this knows everything all powerful how could he have a problem but someone long ago in the 300s um, posed this problem that God had, and it was this. On one hand, God is holy, and he's right, and he can't have sin anywhere around him. 
He needed to kick Adam and Eve out of the garden. He couldn't be around them. They were sinful. You're sinful. I'm sinful. But on the other hand, what did we just talk about last week? We talked about how good God is, how he created us in his image. You're created in the image of God. How we're supposed to be friends with him. We're supposed to thrive. And this, these two things, God can't be near us, but God created us. How would a, would a good God and loving God let us rot, let us be poisoned, let us die? I hope we would say, no, like, we don't believe that about God. If we believe that about God, I wouldn't be here. Sam, Mikey, we wouldn't be doing this. So there's a problem. God has a problem. You and I have a problem. What, are we, what is he going to do about it? And we're going to leave it at that. Next week, Sam's going to tell us how God solves it. How, or rather, what he does to solve it. And it is, as Maddie said earlier to the middle school, the greatest love story ever. So let's pray, and then we'll go to small groups. Let's pray. Father, uh, we need you. Um, We don't like to admit it. We don't like to say it out loud, but we have a poison in us and that's killed us and that it keeps on getting worse and worse. And we need you. Be with us in our small group. Um, Pour your spirit on the kids this week as they go to school, as they're in their second week. Um, Be with them in their lives. Let them see you. Make your presence known that they can't afford to not look at you um, because you're just so right there in front of them. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. So does everyone know... uh